0: So get into all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
1: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
2: This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 46. As more changes to the New York Rangers organization has happened, and the New York Rangers part ways with head coach David Quinn, and basically something that Andy and I both saw coming, but I didn't think it would happen this quickly. But uh, Andy, before we get into all the fun, how are you doing?
3: I'm just mentally making peace with the fact that as soon as we stop recording uh, something's going to happen tomorrow that (laughs) more news from this organization is going to come out and it's going to kind of leave everything we talk about a little behind the eight ball as keeps happening every time you and I get together record it's great I edit it's all done put together and then they do something drastic they make another change They fire, you know fire this person or hire this person so I'm just mentally preparing myself to be frustrated tomorrow when I open up Twitter and it's, it, and the Rangers do something else uh, newsworthy. But other than that, can't complain. Uh, spent a nice weekend upstate uh, with my family, which was nice. And now taking it, taking it real easy today, uh, watching some basketball and some hockey, playoff hockey. And uh, yeah, no complaints.
2: Yeah. I just got back from Sarasota, Florida for my honeymoon. And, it has been a rough go so far, uh transitioning back into reality. You know, <laughs> sitting on the beach all day long, uh drinking and eating anything I wanted, and now reality has set in. But I, I have to say, you know, for sitting on the beach, it made it that much better with all the, the chaos that the, the Rangers organization, you know, uh left for me, you know, with the coaching changes and and just um, you know, realizing that you know, you know, looking back even just a month ago, Andy, looking back at the New York Rangers and we felt good with their with their management. Um, we thought there was a question mark maybe, you know, with coaching with David Quinn and then literally one afternoon, Andy, it all changed. And I think this didn't come as a surprise. I think it happened a little bit quicker than I thought Um but you know the change had to be made, and Drury didn't want to waste any time with interviewing coaches, and that's uh, already been happening. So you know it's just—I um, guess it's just part of the process, and and now we have to see, you know, what changes Drury brings into fruition this year, and how you know the New York Rangers are are going to look heading into next season, because obviously you know Dolan with an you know, ownership, and and I would imagine Drury and management. Um, you know, want to transition this team into uh, the next phase with a little bit more grit and maybe experience. And, you know, they didn't want to uh, waste any time doing so. So, I mean, obviously you weren't shocked. Um, were you shocked at the timing of it and how quickly it happened? Um, You know, I really wasn't.
3: I think the more information that insiders were able to glean from how this whole why this whole situation transpired how long it was in the works that it was already a kind of a foregone conclusion that was just kind of sped up by some of the events of the end of the season for the Rangers and their kind of poor uh, finish to the season it didn't definitely didn't surprise me um, much was made of the fact that Drury was a big proponent in and his relationship with Quinn was pretty strong so would he give the guy the benefit of the doubt but uh they he made the right move and it's funny it's there's kind of in the as the dust has settled on all this everyone is obviously was very shocked and initially and upset and angry or rangers fans but it does seem like everyone has kind of come around to this because a lot of what now what we're finding out maybe have been some of the uh the the bones of contention between Dolan and possibly Glenn Sather and what was going on I think a lot of the fans felt similarly and even though it hurts to lose uh, a guy like Jeff Gordon who and just in terms of the architecture of a a winner he's done a great job yeah I do feel like Chris Drury that there is still he's been possibly the most sought after young exec in the hockey world for the last couple years and we just heard nothing about how he's gonna eventually be a great gm and he's done the work and yeah so i think there's comfort there and i think i think the the appetite of the fan base is kind of in line with that even though we like to (laughs) as fans we like anything jim dolan does we like to just say like you know he's uh he's an idiot and he's going to stick his, his fingers in this and mess everything up. But at the same time, I think a lot of the sentiments that have been parroted here are the fan base doesn't necessarily disagree with. So I think everyone's ready for to take that next step, the fan base, the team. Uh, especially you're watching the playoff, opening uh, two playoff games so far um, this weekend. in that, yeah, you can just tell it's a different brand of hockey and the Rangers definitely weren't, Aren't prepared, or at least on paper, with Quinn behind the bench. There's no way they could play this style. But you know, watching Vegas now and how they how they play, and you still see the the seeds of what Gallant kind of instilled in that group, getting a lot of them to overperform and step up and kind of become the players they are. Yeah, it, it kind of bodes well. Although I'm kind of uh, spoiling the lead here. Um, so yeah, I guess we should kind of talk about where now that Quinn is gone. Well, you know, maybe we'll give a a little post-mortem on Quinn and what maybe we should talk about how we felt he uh, performed here in New York, because I'm sure we kind of I'm sure we both feel similarly about some things, but maybe we differ. I don't
2: know. Yeah, I mean, to sum up, you know, Quinn's tenure here is that, you know, he 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 was perfectly fine as a as a coach um, handling a a young group of kids. I, I don't think he ruined the development of uh, any players. Uh, and I don't think he, you know, deserves um, the amount of abuse that he is given. I, I think you, you got exactly what y- you expected out of Quinn. You know, he was a college coach who comes here to the, you know, New York Rangers uh, and, and at an exciting time, a rebuilding time. And, you know, I, I thought maybe he was part of the process. You know, he was a coach that was brought in here to eventually be let go, knowing that, you know, the Rangers would eventually be on to bigger and better things. Um, You know, a couple of the gripes that I had with with Quinn is, you know, I think that resonate with a lot of fans is that I think we were a little frustrated with his um, personnel choices, uh, who he had in the lineup at times. Uh, I think his playing time was mismanaged and you know i thought he wasn't a really good in-game coach uh i thought he didn't really respect um the changes that had to be that have to be made mid-game especially against you know elite teams like i mean just take for instance down the line with the new york islanders i mean we played them in a back-to-back must-win um you know two-game little series there towards the end of the year and it just seems like you know the rangers came out they played the game they never created any, you know, uh, change to their, uh, their offense or or their game plan. And, you know, that falls on Quinn. And that was the frustrating part of him. And I just don't think he was ready to be an NHL coach uh, for playoff hockey. And, you know, it's a thing that I think he needs to experience. And I think it was a learning experience for him. But overall, it just was something that needed to happen. And, you know, I don't hold any ill will. I'm sure he'll find a a coaching job, whether that be college and the unfortunate accident or unfortunate news that you saw at UMaine Hockey. So he can always probably go back to, you know, coaching, you know, Hockey East. But, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I I just, you know, I I think we all knew this was coming because he just wasn't ready to coach at the elite level in the NHL. I think he has a lot to learn. Um, I think he needs to learn how to manage NHL hockey players. Um, and I think he needs to, you know, gain a little bit more, I don't know, time behind the bench to help, you know, manage a locker room, which was a huge problem for the New York Rangers this year, whether we want to admit it or not. So, um, you know, what were your thoughts on Quinn? Yeah. I mean, I feel very similarly. I think
3: you kind of hit the nail on the head and summed up what we got from David Quinn, which is pretty much what you expected. The only thing to me that was interesting is that as, uh, in the wake of all this we've and even we're leading up to this Larry Brooks keeps parroting the sentiment that the star players had there was a disconnect between Quinn and his star players mm-hmm. that he wanted them to play a certain style and they didn't want to and he couldn't get them to do that but at the same time you watch the way they played and he kind of just let them do whatever they want even though he would say do more of this do more of that but it's it's also hard you know if you look at the seasons that maybe outside of the slow start with COVID that Mika and Panarin and Strom and Buchnevich even have had, they've had good years, but at the same time, you're saying that there's, that they're not really responding to Quinn and that it's not necessarily the young players who are, although we have heard, you know, stories of young players being afraid to do certain things or else fear of, uh, reprisal of getting benched or, you know, losing ice time or getting sat for a game, you know, um, but yeah, it's kind of. I just found that kind of interesting and strange um, that these guys have career years, yet at the same time, he can't get through to them to get them to play the way he wants them to play, which maybe it might have been better, less for their own individual success, for, but better for team success, which is kind of a big thing about being a winning head coach in the National Hockey League is getting... Because yeah, there is, you, you can always go for the individual play, but at the same time, it's like, those teams that are locked and ready for the postseason are always reading and reacting and, and just being selfless with the puck when it's better to, you know, just keep teams hemmed in and give uh, your team more time to set up and those type of things instead of the one and done off the rush offense, the Rangers kind of favor in the regular season that c- would get exposed in the postseason. So, yeah, Quinn's, obvi- his time had obviously come to an end and the experiment's kind of over and you understand that he cl- probably, A, would have made a better... uh a- assistant at this level than a head coach because X's and O's and structure and the things yeah, unfortunately for him, the things that really lead to success in the postseason and anyone who wants to be a contender is were his probably his not as strong as suits. But you know, I you know, looking at the good things he did, I getting younger players to care about playing defense, you have to give them all the credit in the world. And Yeah, I mean, even though Lafrenier and Kako have struggled you have to see; they at least, I think he helped them kind of lay the groundwork for playing the right way, and so they have less growing pains later on, or they don't grow, you know, with warts, or they just become one-dimensional players. So, which is a good thing because, I mean, you look at a guy like kid like Patrick Liney in Columbus; he's so talented that he could be a forty-goal scorer in any any given season. But if he's not going or he's not putting the puck in the net, he's just it's awful having him out there, you know, and Torts trying to fight with that. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think ultimately that the Rangers won't be worse off for Quinn not being here, but I think everyone knew even before signing him, like, this is not the guy that's going to get them to the next level. He wasn't the guy who was going to surprise and then get stay on. So, uh, it was just time. So I'm happy that Chris Drury, uh, he, he felt that too. Cause I think everyone knows that, that yeah, his, uh, yeah, his clock had run out.
2: Yeah. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit because it's, it's kind of interesting how that that narrative has gotten out there and, and kind of has a little bit of legs with the, the veteran players not really wanting to play his style and not really, you know, uh, kind of resisting things that he was teaching. But then, you know, you look, look at the Rangers over the last just even the two seasons, you know, just in the defensive zone, I thought as a team we played a lot better. Um I don't know if that's, you know, is that Quinn's doing, I know we, you know, brought in, you know, uh, Jacques Martin and, you know, he definitely probably had a little bit uh, of a say into, you know, the structure of our D zone coverage, but I mean, it was kind of night and day with some of our players, especially Kako. I mean, I-, I sent you something on Instagram. I don't even know if you got it. Um, It was, a, I was on the beach, but I was like kind of shocked and it had, and, and obviously, you know, these, list that I see on on Instagram you have to take with a grain of salt but it had you know Kako as the numbers wise uh the be- uh the best defensive forward on the New York Rangers That's yeah a-
3: no he's definitely this season his defense his takeaways was he was one of the league leaders in takeaways um where he was up there his top five I think and yeah his two-way defensive play was absolutely excellent and you even saw his, how depth he was with his active stick knocking down passing pucks and. I think that's just a testament to... I think it's funny. I assumed he would be a... Coming in, you kind of watch his game. I didn't think he would become a two-way winger. I don't think... I think I'm kind of wrapping my head around that he will be a player who maybe doesn't score as much as I thought, but his defensive uh, impact will be way, way better than I thought, which is very good because I think that's, those are the type of players you need to win. Guys who can maintain possession, knock pucks down you know, take takeaways in transition and in the neutral zone with an active stick and then just turn around. And yeah, he's one of the leading play drivers on this team at multiple times this season um, in terms of his numbers. Just obviously his finishing wasn't there, but that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle, right? And then when he does, you have an absolute nightmare on your hands. So, uh, you know, I, uh, this is not the, the podcast where we'll get into too much of the Eichel stuff, but, you know, he's a guy you kind of hope sticks around because he could definitely be, part of a winning formula uh, for a team if he kind of if he reaches his uh, yeah his full potential in that way so and yeah Quinn deserves a lot of credit for that because we all know how bad defensively Kaka was last season he was deer in headlights he just wasn't a fast enough skater you know you give the the player a lot of credit for working on his skating and stuff but you know that Quinn was a big proponent in that and just trying to get him to do that and Buch, he's gotten Buchnevich to. Become a, a great, better two way player. So it, I, you, you have proof of concept, and you have multiple examples of how he's drummed that into players. And even saw a player like Julian Gauthier, who maybe sometimes his defensive awareness isn't so great. That that was a uh, something that kind of maybe was a bone of contention, or at least rubbed him the wrong way, or he just didn't have confidence in the player. And that's clearly something he values, and it's important to him. So, like I said, I mean, I think it's easier to to but the- build. I think it's easier to to have you know instill that first, and then have them develop round out their offensive game. That kind of have them, you know, have a Quinn could have goose their numbers with a real off the rush offense, you know, full force type of style. But at the same time, it's like to if they establish that first to get them to go back and learn how to do those things is a bit tougher because you don't you're like I'm having success this way. I don't want to free myself up or limit myself now, you know. But I think because he built them up this way, gradually you get to, there's only one way to go it up. And now they have those strong fundamentals, you know what I mean? And they don't lose out on important development time in terms of that.
2: Yeah. And and, and you kind of look at like, um, you know, Quinn, what his expectations were coming into this. I think you and I kind of both were on the same page where you just kind of looked at you know where the Rangers were in terms of you know they put the letter out there. They need to the rebuild. They bring in a college coach with like almost zero NHL you know uh, behind the bench experience. And what could you possibly expect? And it was like our biggest worry was well you know are they actually going to be able to develop under Quinn? And you know I, I won't say that they developed offensively because I think a lot of fans and a lot of people are very frustrated with the offensive numbers and the the stats of these of these young kids, but you know then you look at you know a case like Fox and who's a freak but still young and considered a kid and you know he's putting up you know norris uh you know type numbers and you know considered for a Norris with some of the you know league's best defensemen and you know all this, you know, did happen under Quinn and you can hate Quinn. And, and trust me, I've had, you know, many a podcast ripping Quinn apart uh, with his, you know, personnel choices and his playing time. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, maybe teaching these kids and taking the time to teach them, you know, every zone of the ice and, and expect them to have, um, awareness, uh, every part of the ice. And if you look at like Kako's you know, I call it—we call it the gray area. You know, when I was growing up playing hockey, but it was like ten feet uh, inside the blue line and ten feet, you know, outside the blue line, like the neutral zone into the offensive zone or defensive zone. But if you watch him playing defense and knocking down pucks and and stopping the other team from breaking out, it, it's you could see how frustrating it is to play against Kako and all that is is hockey sense. That's you know, uh, positioning. And if you teach a kid who um, you know, just the fundamentals of, you know, doing things like that and, and getting in, in traffic and and creating turnovers. I mean, the sky's the limit with, you know, th- that kid's ability. And, you know, now he can, you know, now hopefully he can take that part of his game and then introduce the the creativity that he was afraid to, you know, have under Quinn and, you know, maybe get those offensive juices flowing. And who knows what kind of numbers he'll be able to put up. But like you said, uh, here's a kid that, you know, if his defensive numbers are that good and, and, you know, the, the time on ice where he's not giving up any goals will be just as important as the numbers he'll be able to put up. And, you know, for a young kid who's second year in the NHL, you saw the progression, you saw the performance. I thought that was great, but you know, overall it was definitely time to move on. And, and I thought, I thought maybe if you We had this conversation before, Andy. But if you had the same management, do you think Quinn would have gotten another year?
3: I definitely think he would have been the coach at the start of the the season because we've heard much about the disconnect where they keep JD and Jeff kept parroting to ownership and and uh, Glenn say they're that slow and steady and progress and slow build, but there is a lot of and I'm not saying it's the wrong. Choice or wrong path because it really has helped the Rangers in terms of they changed up how they fundamentally did business for a couple seasons and they were able to finally get some key assets that they had been lacking for a long time, which is great. uh But we can we see how volatile the any sports league is and the makeup of that league, and you don't know what's going to happen with players just wanting out or just not being tired of winning or injuries or <laughs> you know pandemics that leave you with a flat yeah. cap and buy it's just there's a lot so there ha, there's something to be said about striking when the iron is hot and i think sometimes you hold your cards too long there's teams that have definitely been guilty of that and they've been worse worse off for it so yeah i i think I just think they were content to do some more. Let's see where we're at. But then you realize the longer you see where you're at, when you have an aging Panera and an aging Jat who's going to need a, a contract and an aging Kreider who's locked up, or an eight, hell, even Truba who's going to be now 20, uh, 27 next year. It's just, I understand why they're, tr- and it's, like I said, I, and I, I don't necessarily think it was the wrong uh, plan of attack, but maybe it was time to put, put a little bit more gas on the accelerator. And they just didn't have the stomach for it or you you get too a little too attached to what you've amassed and seeing like, well, this guy could pan out this way. And that's, but that's always the, that's always the risk reward, right? You know, you're going to, the odds are the Rangers will eventually move on from some of their prospects or include them in deals and they'll become great players elsewhere down the line. But at the same time, it's like you've, you, have you kind of just, that's, you got to start at a certain point you have to start a, taking chances and progressing or at least trying to speed up your progression because like you said there's so much parity in this league and you see all the teams and the the rangers in the division they're in it's one of the toughest divisions in the league so um yeah they're definitely going to have to start bolstering themselves because you don't just like you said it's so volatile you don't know you could end up losing uh players or just yeah if you're if you're not evolving you're or adapting you could be dying so can't say it doesn't make sense
1: Hello, my name is Richard Blosser, host of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Calder Cup champions of the American Hockey League, and the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Each Tuesday, I recap Bears games, give you Bears news, notes, and nuggets, and all of the hockey news that matters to me, whether it's the American Hockey League, the NHL, or banter about hockey jerseys this hack brings you high energy they score connor mcmichael has ended the game unfiltered look herco's really gonna have to work hard to bring back the fan base from this pandemic because you can't just rely on vaccinations you have a fan base that is old stubborn and very reluctant to change not to mention you got to work on bringing back families and then whatever fan base you can try and get back from other parts of the state. You just can't rely on people coming out from 81 and 78. You gotta work on a fan base that's very, very hesitant to change. And at times, unfocused. Look, Ovechkin is basically the guy who comes into the bar, kicks open the door, and says, Who ordered a white Russian, huh? Well we all know Sidney Crosby is the guy who enters in from the side door, red carpet, vip armani suits and alligator shoes that's just the type of guys they are so join me every tuesday here on the hockey podcast network for the grit and barrett podcast follow me on twitter at grit and barrett p1 that's grit g-r-i-t and b-e-a-r it p1 on twitter available wherever you get all your podcasts part of the hockey podcast network
2: You kind of saw it with, you know, this season, especially with some of the teams that you look at, you you kind of sh- scratch your head and, you know, you look at the Philadelphia Flyers and, you know, in, now you look at Calgary who who found themselves on the outside looking in and, and even Vancouver, after all the success they had, they, they, you know, obviously they got trampled by COVID at the end, but uh, the Dallas Stars out of the Central and then, you know, you, you look at, you know, the San Jose Sharks and how quickly they've fallen out of grace to one of the better teams in the league consistently all those years. And then they lose a few players and now they find themselves at the bottom of the standings, you know, a team like Arizona who, uh, you know, may not have the best roster, but they always kind of, you know, seem to stick around. They, they failed to make the playoffs this year uh, and they don't have a first round pick. And, and if you kind of look at, you know, the, there's very few elite teams in this, in this, Hockey League, where you're like, okay, well, they're a contender, they're a contender, they're a contender. You know, Vegas, Colorado, you know, Carolina, Tampa, like two from each division. You know, our division is obviously tough. And then, and then Toronto, and I don't think anyone thinks Edmonton's going to win a Stanley Cup. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the Rangers and I think Chris Drury really feel like, you know, we have the pieces. And if we just add in a few complimentary players and, and you, you bring in an Eichel, then all of a sudden you're not just like a contender, you're one of the contenders. And I think the Rangers think they're, they're right there. And I think if you look at the personnel, if you look at this roster and what it could become with some of these kids coming into, um, you know, entering their, their prime years, Akako entering his third year. And you look at Fox and, and, and Miller was a surprise. And, and then you look at, you know, some of the assets that we have outside with Braden Schneider and what he could become, you know, the next five years is really where I think Drury thinks, you know, this is going to be uh, a great team and not just a good team or a playoff team, but a, a contending team. And, you know, they were probably like, okay, we're ready. Let's 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 see what we got. Let's bring in some NHL veterans in terms of, you know, maybe players. And, you know, let's put a, a an NHL head coach behind the bench and see what we can get as we, you know, kind of progress to the next level of, uh, of this rebuild. And, and I can't say I blame him Andy, the more I look at it, the more, you know, the more I take in all the information that has kind of leaked out over the last couple of weeks about the change in management, uh, the coaching changes that were needed. Um, the players talking about how there was a disconnect in a locker room, which kind of explains maybe why the locker room was a shit show. And, and just the moves that we've made, man, I I, I think we're right there too. And I I don't think it's crazy to think that maybe not next year, but next year you're looking at a, a team that's contending for a Stanley cup and not just the playoff spot.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think which brings us to uh, our next segment, which is which direction in terms of coaching, do the Rangers go in with the coaches that are available? It's, it's kind of tough because obviously as soon as Quinn was relieved of his duties, you know, we, (laughs) there was all this talk of, they're going to bring Tortorella back or they need a Bob Hartley type, or obviously, you know, Gerard Gallant is who they should go after because he has success, you know, molding teams with a little bit more structure and, uh, and players who, in helping player, young players produce as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, It's kind of like the you have the pieces, right? And it's just how do you construct them? And obviously, yes, the Rangers are going to have to augment a bit in free agency. But at the same time, it's time to start getting... It's I mean, the bubble experience for this team last year, you could tell they just had no... Even with some of the older players, I think they... You know, players like Kreider and Truba had been in those situations before. And you saw it. They were actually, Kreider, you know, he had that one game. He was actually pretty good for two out of two of those games. And Truba was probably our best defender in those games. But the young players seemed to have no idea that the pace was going to be that fast and and that there was going to be that little time and space to move or do anything. And didn't know how to, and our skilled players didn't really know how to break through the structure. So, yeah, you just kind of showed that this team had no semblance of what it's going to really take to win. And you would hope that would open some eyes and it, it kind of did. But at the same time, you see that there's kind of a reticence to mm-hmm. to play that style. And Quinn just kind of let it be a little bit pond hockey-ish at all times, which has always been the knock on him. He just kind of lets, even in college, that was kind of the knock when he was competing for net, trying to compete for national championships is that they just, his team's never had structure. And he just kind of let, you know, Eichel or whoever he had at the time just do whatever they wanted that you need a coach who can mold you into that. Because I mean, we just watched the Islanders beat the Penguins in game one and on paper, the Penguins are a better team, but the Islanders have been playing, play that style year round. And you right. kind of, even everyone going into this series, it happens all the time. They're like, Oh, well, Pittsburgh, you know, the Islanders can't score goals. Pittsburgh's number two in in scoring and, in Palm area and, and Zajac haven't done anything. Yada, yada, yada. And then, but they're ready. And then lo and behold, this game happens and they just take care of business. They, they don't flinch when they get punched in the mouth or get a goal scored on them. They just come right back and score again. And they'll just, they're content to just keep playing within that and just take their chances and they and convert. And that's what they did. And they just, so they, you know, Palmieri gets two goals. He starts to show up. It's like, as if he was, this is what he was here for. You know, he grows out the facial hair a little bit. Now that Lou, you know, the whole no facial hair thing's gone. He gets his powers back. Like, uh, <laughs> Like Samson, you know, reverse Samson. and uh, But yeah, the, to, the Islanders have been playing this style all year, and they can flip the switch just like that. The Rangers don't even know what, have that switch, and if they did, they wouldn't know what it did. did. Like, turn the lights off, you know, they'd have no idea. So, yeah, it's time to start instilling that in this group, because you can have as much talent as you want, but if you go in thinking you can just do everything you did for 82 games, or, you know, 56 in this case, year's case, uh, and have success... It, it's playing that style you're in for root and awakening so whoever's there so obviously there's much to be made that they need a disciplinarian it's two country clubs so you know you've the names of torts and babcock and just all these fiery guys are kind of floating out there and yeah i mean as of as of this recording we know the rangers have had an interview with Gerard Gallant. He granted permission by Vegas to speak to him. Gallant's going to coach uh, Team Canada for the World Championships. The Rangers wanted to get some a call with him before, um, yeah, before he goes over there because he's going to be overseas and just you know he'll be his focus will be on winning a World Championship with Team Canada. But apparently, it went very well. Uh, I think it was Severali said on Twitter that he had heard it went very well or they were impressed with him. And they're doing their due diligence. You keep hearing that from people like Elliot Friedman, because as you and I have spoke about behind the scenes, there's a lot of question marks with a guy like Galan. He seems to be the best choice, but the question remains, why does someone who keeps having that much success with new teams and bring them to successful situations, why does he have a shelf life of two to three seasons? Like, What's that all about? And what I can glean is that he's a guy who seems to give his opinion a lot, which is kind of reminiscent of a Mike Keenan. He yeah. he has a, he has opinions on things or, you know, sometimes he might get edicts from the top down and he doesn't if he doesn't agree, he'll say so. And, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I think that's a big reason why there might be some reticence or at least some pause from the Rangers and why they have to really make sure they do dig up as much dirt and skeletons as they can and just talk to people who know who have that hands on experience with him in their organization and just be like, so, what is what problems could come up for us down the road if we're trying to instill this? Especially, you have a lot of young players. Are they going to get? You know, how is he with them? You know, but by the most intensive purposes, former players seem, of his seem to love him. They think he's an honest guy and that he's not too much of a taskmaster. But he gets you to buy, and he still he can be fiery guy. But at the same time, he's also like a Paul Maurice. He just kind of doesn't want too much spotlight. He just kind of goes about his business and he's not like torts he's not total or or Bob babcock it's not total mind games and just uh public benchings and you know overthinking things so yeah i think there's a reason that uh the rangers fan base at least and hell even some of their beat writers have gravitated towards him being the guy at the top of the list and we've even heard reports that galan is at the top of the list and that they'll still talk to different people but at the same time it It seems like he might be there, at least who at the moment they are seem the most intrigued by.
2: Well, uh, you know, obviously I am a gambling man, Andy. And, you know, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of legs to what the the betting world has to say on situations like this. So, yeah, um, if you want, I can give you a list of the I guess I'll give you the top. I'll give you the top like six right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Gerard Gallant at the as a favorite as a, uh, I believe that's two and a half to one. Then you have Bob Hartley at uh, seven to two odds, which is, I guess, three and a half to one. Uh, and then Bruce Boudreaux at five to one. John Tortorella at seven to one. Claude Julien at eight to one. Patrick Wah at nine to one. And Chris Knobloch at ten to one. And then you got uh, uh, Lambert, Messier, Babcock, Tockett, Bouchard, <laughs> and uh, Rod the Bod uh, Brenda Moore at twenty five to one. Um, obviously, I would imagine he's going to go back to Carolina, especially if, you know if they have some unfinished business and have another year of success in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, and Elliot Friedman had made a, a comment that that it, that's the most likely scenario. But if he somehow shook loose, that he might automatically that might put him at the top of the Rangers mm-hmm. list, and make sense. P- uh, proof of concept: similar teams with. Uh, a bunch of younger stars and Svechnikov and Aho and Nietzsche, but mixed with that just playing in a style that's conducive to their success and still doesn't, you know, maybe they, they, it doesn't, those guys don't have seasons where they're scoring uh, 80 plus points, but at the same time, they just, they play a style that's conducive to winning and they look damn good doing it. So that definitely makes sense. I, I too, think he will go back to Carolina, but you never know. Their owner is uh, not, Not big on paying, overpaying at all, especially to keep guys. You know, I think he might, he might be a guy who much rather move on. If Rod, who has deserves a big raise, he might not give it to him. And then, if that means he he's available, and New York has nothing but infinite resources, and they can even even if you bring it to Don to Dolan, and you say, look, this guy's now available, he has a winning, you know he hasn't won a cup yet, but you look in how you know, the success he's had with this a team that's at a very similar spot than us a few years, seasons ago and how he's developed them in this. Yeah. I mean, that's extremely alluring. Uh,
2: and he's a recognizable name, you know, I yeah. think that would be helpful for Dolan. Yeah, former player. Exactly. Yeah. Former player. You know, who he was one's, you know, wins a Stanley cup with, with Carolina, um, younger guy, you know, it's just, um, it's a name that could resonate with him. Uh, but I, I you know, I want to ask Andy, how much say do you think Dolan has with the head coaching? Or do you think he's just kind of given the keys to Drury and and say there and said, you know, figure it out yourself, uh, you know, keep me informed. But, uh, you know, whatever you got, I got your back.
3: I, I think he I think he trusts say enough and clearly likes him that he has his back because we have heard that maybe he might want a, He he's a guy who is a, obviously a fan of Tortorella because much like uh much like jim dolan tortorella is usually on the league is not usually very happy with john tortorella and his comments and his antics and dolan's kind of the same way he's kind of a guy True. he respects the fact that torts is a guy who if he thinks something is bullshit he'll say it rather rightly like, for wrong he's a strong personality and dolan clearly loves that type of stuff so yeah so but at the same time we've heard that it will ultimately be Drury's call he's gotten the keys to the kingdom obviously say will have input but um yeah i do think that because especially because i'm sure say was sitting in on those meetings with his players after uh tortorello was finally he had run his course and lundquist kind of just went to management and was like we've had enough we're done so that's probably fresh in his mind so maybe even if dolan wants a guy like tortorello I don't necessarily know if say there and the rest of that. I I don't even know was was Drury still pl- did Drury retire before Tortorella got there? Was his last with um, or was he there for at least one season? That's a good question, Tortorella. Um, or did he was Rennie his last coach? I can't remember.
2: Uh, so he might even have
3: ex- you know, he might even be able to say uh, you know, he might even be able to say that like he was there and he remembers and he's like no, not a chance. I'm not. Cause he retired in t- 2011
2: I'm looking, I'm looking it up right now. Um, you know, I, I do, I do want to, you know, kind of ask you, do you think, do you think Panarin has any say in all, any of this? Do you think, you know, uh, you know, zabenjad obviously Zibanejad, you know, isn't signed really with any term here. So I don't know how much of a, of a pull he has, but you know, do you think he, you know, has a say, do you think any any of our players right now have a say? Like you know, Lund- we knew Lundquist definitely was able to voice his opinion, and and rightfully so. You know, he was the face of this fan- franchise. You know, you know, he was just you know, he was Henrik Lundquist So, do the Rangers have a player like that right now?
3: I don't think so. I really don't. I think if uh, Mark Stahl was, they might consult Chris Kreider and say, "What do you think about this guy?" Because he's the longest tenured Ranger. I don't think Panarin would care either way. Maybe if you had, if you were going to bring in a guy like Tortorella, you'd have to talk to them first, just because the the there's optics attached to that. But anyone else, I don't think you'd have to fly. Whether let's say they ultimately get Bruce Boudreau or or they might ask him if if they decide because Knoblock's going to be one of the names interviewing. You know that because they'll ask the players like, what was it like in the interim when he was here? Was he hands on? Did he? Because he kept trying to say like, oh, listen, I'm just carrying out Quinn's. W- will but you saw how much looser everyone was and how much better faster and better and freer they looked but not in a way that was led to less structure it just led to them playing with more impactful force and not second guessing themselves you know so it'll be interesting because uh he's a guy who's also kind of kind of similar to Le drury he's been there's been this sentiment that from coaching connor mcdavid in the chl and uh excuse me in the ohl and then just making his ascent up the coaching ladder that he eventually will be a good NHL coach. So, and he's had good results in Hartford with that team. So yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think they, they might, depending on the situation, who it is, they might consult players, especially if it's a player who's played for someone before. Although, like I said, with this roster, I don't think there's because, you know, the only outside of Smith and, uh, Truba, and I guess Crider who may have played for Torell before, like for then anyone they bring in, they're not going to ha- really have much hands-on experience because most of them are now at this point, either young players or homegrown Rangers or, you know, or only played for one coach in their last stop before they got here. It's not like you don't have a lot of journeyman yet. So, um, so yeah, I think, I don't think so. I don't think there's a single player where they'd be like, you know, we need th- to get the okay from this person who's Panarin, you know, or Crider. I think they're just going to do it. I think, it's his you know like you said he's got the keys and he's making decisions he might out of uh he might just consult the leadership group to make them feel like they it was their idea ultimately you know which is good but at the same time I think he's all he's the one who's uh putting the final say on it so,
2: so to answer your question uh Chris Drury played two years under John Tortorella oh, the New York nice. Rangers yes In, uh, weren't,
3: those last two years of Drury were weren't were very forgettable and kind of ugly at least from him but
2: Yeah, um, yeah, he struggled. So he might he
3: might not have the appetite to revisit, uh, you know, Tortorella coming in. Although he was the captain, so maybe, and you know, he because Tortorella was there after he retired from injuries. So yeah, maybe who knows? Maybe he does like Torts. Maybe because he was especially because he was the captain. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but, um, but yeah, I just think any talk of Tortorella or even Rick Tockett, I think. I don't know why the Rangers would, you keep hearing that, but I don't know why the Rangers would do that. Um He's someone, it would be a similar situation to Quinn. There's still, he doesn't really have proof of concept yet. Yes, maybe Arizona made it to the bubble, the first round bubble last year, but, you know, not nothing much after that. And he doesn't have any, it'd be similar to, to Quinn. There's questions about, well, can he, does he have, is he uh, have enough experience in systems play and just does he have what it takes? And I, I just think they wouldn't trade in one question mark for another. So I don't see Rick, a guy like Rick Tockett, but obviously guys, when it comes to the Bob Hartleys of the world or the Palm, you know, or uh hell, even a Mike Babcock, even though there's the whole other issue there with, you know, the optics of that and the drama that would come with trying to bring in him and help aid his rehabilitation campaign. You know, it's a, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what their where their stomach and their heads are at, but obviously, I think for obvious reasons, Gallant is currently their number one.
2: Yeah, and it kind of just makes sense. I mean, I've said Gallant's name from the very beginning. Um, I I just think his experience, his tenacity, uh, his personality kind of fits New York City. Um, What they're looking for, I think he can bring. Uh, Obviously, they they want a little bit more than just experience. They want good experience, and and you know. Gallant certainly has that and obviously there's question marks but I think if you look at the list of NHL coaches that the the Rangers pretty much have to choose from there's not a there's not a perfect coach out there and you know if you're gonna you know try to you know try to go out there and find the next you know Cooper you're you're gonna be looking for a while I mean it's not like they grow on trees or anything and and you know I think the Rangers need to find someone who um with NHL experience and not just someone who's had success in the, in the minors or at the college level or junior level. I think it's, it's something that, you know, the Rangers uh, know they need and they need to teach these kids what it means to be NHL players. And I just don't think this is an uh, on ice issue. I think this is an off the ice issue because if you look at the New York Rangers and how many problems they had, you know, in the locker room with with Tony D'Angelo, does this happen? If Gallant, you know, is Galant's there, you know, you know, is he going to have enough bite to tell you know Tony to you know shut your mouth or you're done? You know, I don't know if the if the Rangers really respected Quinn that way. I thought they almost probably saw Quinn as an as an equal. You know, you know you're a part of the rebuilding process too, Coach. Like, you know, like you, you haven't been around the block. And, and if you look at a guy like you know Panarin and Truba, they had way more NHL experience than David Quinn. And you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know with the makeup of this team if if they lacked the leadership and they lacked lacked authority um, that they needed, but I really do think that you know right now Chris Drury is also thinking of uh, you know uh, the off ice uh, growth as well. Uh, you know what does it mean to be uh, not just a professional hockey player, but what does it mean to be a pro hockey player in New York City and you know the, with with one of the worst media you know, in the entire league with maybe second to Toronto and, or maybe Boston too, you know, it's just uh it's a different animal and you need someone who's been around the block, who's not afraid to voice his opinion, who has his own personality and who commands respect in the locker room. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I don't know if there's a perfect candidate out there and glant to me, is the closest thing to perfect that you'll you'll get um but it's it's really hard to win a stanley cup so it's just it's it's a process and you know you got to take chances and you know you got to strike while the i guess you know the iron's hot so you know if Gallant comes in andy right because he is the odds-on favorite they've already spoken to him and things went well what changes do you think you see happen right away do you think there's a captain on this hockey team
3: Yeah, I was speculating that. Um, Well, you have to wonder because there was much made about a part of uh, uh, one of the many things on Dolan's list of grievances was that there was this feeling that the inmates were maybe running the asylum a little bit and that there was a lack of general direction and leadership. And I think at this point, if Mika was going to become the captain, they would have given it to him. But I think it's clear that he's just not in his nature for what they feel they need, even if I think he's a guy who could maybe be in a captain that already had other strong leaders in the room to be like the pillars to like say, you know, this is who we're following and get everyone else in line. You know what I mean? Who kind of back him up. Cause you know, it's like when you put a, the C on a young guy, as long as there's vets who can, un, you know, at least help him find his way. It's great. But the Rangers don't have, they're not in that situation. You know what I mean? So I just think at this point, I understand that Lafreniere will most likely be their captain down the line. Uh, but for now, now I'm like, Chris Kreider getting the C wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it just wouldn't at this point. Because I just, we have enough proof of concept with the whole, I just don't think Mika, not that he doesn't want it. I just don't, I don't know. It's just not, his comportment is definitely not what management wants in terms of that role. You know what I mean? He might not even... Here, uh, that's another thing, but I just think at this point we understand that it this might be, yeah, I think this might be, it might be on there to do. It's like we haven't had a, we've been a little too f- testing the waters for a bit, and it's kind of killed us. Our, our locker room was a bit of disarray, and players have gotten shipped off, and uh, man, and just infighting and clicks, and just kind of aimless and not listening, aim not listening to the coach. You need, and you need that guy, you need that guy. For a captain who says, like, I, who's the mediator who's like, look, even if you, I'll talk to him or this or that and says, listen, I talked to him, he's not going to do this anymore, but we have to to shape up or, you know, and get our shit together, too. You know what I mean? It's not just you need those type of guys. And uh, I just don't think that dynamic existed. So. Yeah, you do wonder how in those exit meetings, if they had mentioned to a Truba or a or like, you know, shit's going to be real different next season. And this is what we expect out of you now. I don't care if you how many goals you score, but this is your role in this team. You're the longest tenured player here or you're an older player whatever. And, yeah, we saw Brendan Smith try to bring that. So if he comes back, give him an A, obviously. Right. You know, he definitely earned himself an A if he comes back. Uh, not, I don't think there are better options than Brennan Smith out there. No offense to Brendan, but yeah, I mean, I do think they could de- feasible, very feasibly name a captain, uh, but we'll see. I don't know if it's necessarily there's a captain on opening night next season, but I could see them within season do it. Or at least after the preseason, maybe they just get a feel for the room and they say, we're, gonna, we're voting now, we're figuring this out.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, Lafreniere's our, our boy, a baby boy, you know, his rookie year, but he, there is a lot of buzz about, you know, his leadership qualities and his personality and interacting with a lot of the players and his energy. And, you know, I know it comes off as a little bit of, of you know, kiddish, you know, childish, I should say, not kiddish, you know, that that's even a word, but childish, but, you know, I'm telling you, like, I think that resonates with a lot of, a lot of people especially in management you know a rookie coming in you know always constantly fist bumping everybody hugging everybody after their first goal a uh, relationship and friendship that he's made with you know Keandre Miller and and you know the success that both of those kids had down the line and and you know almost like passing the torch to the next generation of New York Rangers I do think you know one of the kids will end up with a letter um Lafreniere being you know my favorite to receive at least an A um and I think that's a must. You know, I, I think yeah. there needs to be some sort of youth presence on this team, you know, regardless uh, what year he came in. You know, it, it's worked for Pittsburgh. It worked for Chicago. Um, and, you know, I think it's time for the Rangers to do the same thing.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think we talk about Lafreniere's on-ice awareness, how how, how high it is. His off-ice awareness might be even higher because you understand you have aspirations to be a leader and a focal part of this team. And obviously you can't come in as a rookie and just start uh, being the, too much of the, you know, I'm going to make the speeches and this stand up and do this and we're going to do this and that. So how do you fill a How do you support your team and make yourself a necessary presence? Well, he did, he found it. He figured it out like easily. Cause I think it just comes natural to them. He's like, I'm just going to be happy for everyone's success and gas them up and you know give them kudos and keep it light but still make it sure it's like a when it's competitive i'm pushing and getting involved in scrums if i have to and he just he nailed it so now he's you know getting himself part of the 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 post game win routine he gets he's you know he's not gonna be last off the ice but he'll he'll be the guy hugging everyone as he gets a you know third second to third to last or whatever you know what i mean he'll right before the KZB line goes off the ice with their their handshakes and their you know their high fives and all that and their hugs uh he'll he'll give everyone a big old hug and then just happily run to the locker room you know he figured it out and that's again a testament to what type of player he is and what type of person he is so yeah and it's funny because it's like you, you could maybe make the argument that Fox and Lindegren and Lafreniere could all be worthy of an A if they decide to just run you know with the four A's you know, um, but you also have Mika and Truba, and uh, you know, but Brendan Smith, if he sticks around, and uh, Kreider. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, how it shakes out, because you know, if if they do run forays, they'll probably do Truba, Zabana Jad, Kreider, uh, and you know, either if Brendan Smith's there, they'll give it to him, or maybe like you said, they'll give it to a young guy, either a a Fox or uh, hell, even maybe a Lafreniere. So. It'll be interesting to see because I definitely think they're uh, in his press conference that right for the end of the season, Drury spoke a lot about everyone knowing their role. And I think that's going to be important for them. You know, so I don't care what you your preconceived notion of what your role is and what how you play and where you fit into our lineup. We're going to have it clearly defined and you're going to play to it. And that's not to say that'll be your role forever, but for the foreseeable future for this season, this is going to be your role. So and I think that's kind of in line with that.
2: And I also think that, you know, things change immediately if you bring in a an Eichel or a Barkov. I think, you know, a player like that deserves a letter right off the bat, you know, they're just gonna have a commanding presence in that locker room, a respect that uh um that is not just given to whatever team they're playing for, but into around you know, around the hockey league, you know, just being on the ice, you know, wearing a letter, um, you know, Eichel can you know, walks into every single scrum and and there's got to be some sort of respect for him. So I, I think if you get a player like that, like maybe Barkov, I think one of those guys are, are going to be wearing an A um, with maybe the exception of Eichel. I think he could command a C right away. Um, I think that's a, a challenge that he's up for and maybe something that, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I think he would deserve it too. After what he's been through, you know, with Buffalo and, and, and kind of a, a nod from, Drury, maybe, <clears throat> you know, I think, I don't know. Do you, would you expect him to get a letter right away, if not a C? If you brought in Eichel, I should say.
3: Sorry, say it one more time.
2: If you brought in Eichel, are you expecting him to have a letter and, and, and possibly uh, a C? Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't think, I don't know if you give him the C. Uh, if anything, I think f- uh, free, like with what's happened with Taylor Hall, where he just wants to be one of the, one of the guys has been so good for him. I kind of think similarly that that might be something they try to do with Eichel. He might get an A, but he's definitely, they're not going to, I don't know if it sits well to take him off of Buffalo and bring him over and eventually make him, make him the captain immediately. And I, honestly, I don't know if he wants that. Uh, I yeah, think I mean, he wants to, I think he doesn't want to, to feel that. I think he's just done with the pressure of everything in a situation that was unwinnable for him, just everything falling on his head where it's like he can come in and he can help them build sort toward, towards something positive but at the same time it's like not all on him you know and i think that's what he wants i think at this point he's probably beaten down with everything you know he doesn't that's want to true. be the worst. I
2: mean i give him the i give him the c i just think it would be right out the gate next year if if eichel's on our hockey team you give him the c and he's the first player skating out it's just like i think that's a little cherry on the top of this entire I can't even say off season because the chaos started yeah. before the season as it ended. But, you know, obviously Andy, I got to see, I got to see who's on the roster. Yeah. After an Eichel trade. So <laughs> there's, there's yeah. a million different moving parts to this. Yeah. But and how they, the,
3: how the players might respond to that, you know, will, will there be any push in, at least, you know, under not won't be voiced, but will there be internally in that room, be some pushback or feel like, well, this, you know, this guy, like, you know, he hasn't been, through it with us and now they're just he's coming in they're giving yeah even though he was a well, captain it's well, not I'll exactly push- mark messier where he comes in but i'll push
2: back a little bit on what you're saying uh um, yeah so right now who give me like just three rangers and I, I pretty much probably can answer this for you but you know three rangers that you would say deserve the the sea
3: well here's the thing my my statement was not to say that there's three rangers who deserve it over him i just think fair or not i think there would be some internal like well, well, you know, this guy, what, what, why is this guy getting it? You know, I don't know if that'd be Kreider, Truba, and Zabanajad of any of those three, because I don't think the young guys would care so much. They've, they haven't done shit, you know, they've been here for a couple of <laughs> no, months. No, yeah. But, you know, so, I or even Fox, but I, well, I, I, you do wonder if the guys who are tr- maybe trying to plant their seed as the leadership group, maybe that's where there might be some internal, like, well, uh, you know, but who knows? Like I said, if Zabanajad's included in that trade, then, that's a whole different thing, you know, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, they need a leader. But again, I'm also I'm also not even sure if Eichel wants that or if he wants the optics of that, you know, it's, it's no, very I, I it's very strange
2: you there. The, the one thing I think with if there was ever rumbling, I'd be like Truba. Spare me. Fifty percent of the time, Cryer. Yeah. I don't even know what you're looking at. You show up twenty percent of the time. And, and Mika, I don't know what the hell happened to you the first half of the season, but yeah. you, you know you'll stick with an A for right now, bud. Until you uh, you sign some, uh, sign a contract with some. Uh, yeah, you can term.
3: Yeah, no, we cannot I
2: cannot lose another captain.
3: No, you're absolutely, you're we absolutely can't right.
2: Not name a captain and then move them or let them go. Like yeah. I would imagine if we sign Zabanajad, that's when he'd be named captain. But there's no way they can give him a C next year, unless
3: he's locked up. up Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I that's you're absolutely right. And like you said, there's a lot of moving parts to it. So I think a lot of it depends on how this offseason shakes out. Uh, you know, with Eichel surgery, you know, if he's given permission and due diligence for his, you know, because obviously there's a lot that's been made about. You wonder how the other teams around the league feel about the certain experimental surgery and yeah and it also wonders if let's say florida flames out in the first round is barkov was like you know what it's done like if maybe if we were had to even gotten close to vanquishing our rivals but they're going to be in literally next door to us <laughs> and, and winners for the next whatever years i don't want this you know right so yeah you don't know so there's obviously like you said a lot of moving parts but uh I definitely think the edict is more defined roles. And I think uh, having leaders in place is part of
1: that.
2: And, and, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that there's going to be um, some more changes in the future. I, I think we're going to finally start to get a New York Ranger team that has an identity. And you know I am very excited to see what Chris Drury has in store for us, whether or not it's bringing in some elite talent to complement you know the, the children and um, the the stars on this team. And you know I I think I think the fan base is kind of ready to move on. I think the old Quinn show is is uh, is dead and gone. And I think you know fans are ready just you know for a new coach with NHL experience. I think fans are gonna resonate with a, a familiar name like a Gallant. And uh, you know, I, I think you know the New York Ranger fan base and the team is just ready to move on to the next step and and no more, you know, experiments with with kids and, and let's just have a system, you know, let's you know be competitive and not just be a playoff team, but be a contender for the next five years and, and try to bring the cup back to New York.